welcome to episode 17 of the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, my guests are Stephanie Goodwin-Ritter and Stacey Truck. Stephanie has been knitting since 2004. She added crochet and hand spinning to her repertoire along the way and blogs about her fibery exploits at handmadebystephanie.blogspot.com. Her day job as senior account manager at Stitchcraft Marketing formerly the World Wide Web, allows her to work with awesome folks in the yarn industry and enables her craft obsession exponentially in the process. Stacy Trock is my frequent guest on the show. She designs crochet patterns for adorable and huggable stuffed animals. Her patterns are easy to follow and take the mystery out of crochet. She's also a teacher on Craftsy and Nationally and is the author of three books. You can find Stacy online at freshstitches.com. Stacy, Stephanie, welcome. Oh, this is going to be a hard one, I can tell. (laughs) Thanks for having us on the show. So, Stephanie... We um, need a Tracy and, like, a Sasha or something. (laughs) Exactly. All the S themes together. Um, I apologize in advance if I confuse it. Um, So, uh, so Stephanie, we're going to start with you. Tell us about Stitchcraft Marketing. You work with all sorts of companies in the needle arts field to help market their goods by reaching out to bloggers and designers. So tell us a little bit more about what you do there. Yes. Um, We do everything if I wanted to just boil it down to a few words, but um, we do anything from an SEO evaluation for the website to social media marketing and strategy. So it could be anything from just taking a look at someone's social media channels and making our recommendations for them to carry out, or we do it for them. Um, We do ghost blogging, we do newsletters, anything that has anything to do at all with the virtual world, we'll do it. (laughs) So, and even if it's something we've never done before, we'll find a way to do it. Um, And that's about as simple as I can make it, but yeah. We do a lot like so, that. And then my pet project is the blogger outreach project that you mentioned. Okay. So what are some of the companies that you work with right now? And then how does the blogger outreach part work? Okay. Well, I work with people like Knitter's Pride and Bijou Basin Ranch. And um, one of my newer clients is Lavache. They make lotion bars. Um, I work with a lot of really great makers of yarn. And one of our goals is to just get that grassroots blog mentioning that gets people interested in a product. Cause I don't know about you, but if I actually keep hearing the same thing come up again and again, I'm more likely to check it out because it sticks in my mind. And I'm also curious, like, why is everybody talking about this particular yarn? So what we're trying to do is reach out to bloggers that may or may not be influential. Maybe we just like what they do um, and they have a smaller readership, but they're a bit more passionate than say a bigger blogger who has a wide reach, but not necessarily um, the saturation that you're looking for. But anyway, we reach out to them. We offer them products to review. Um, A lot of people ask, oh, what if I don't like it? And I laugh and say, well, that won't happen because everyone I work with is great. But we want your honest, constructive feedback. And we've been getting really great posts because of that where people do say, I really like this yarn and it's great for XYZ projects, you know, things that people can really use when they're going to go to the store, buy the product and use it in their own crafting life. So... I'm just trying to get people to use the product, 
and share what they like about it with the world. And it's been going really well. So if a blogger who's listening to, sh- to the show would like to sort of participate in that and try out some new products, maybe do start doing some reviews, can they get in touch with you to sort of see if there's the right fit for one of the things that you're representing? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and you're going to have my contact information in the show notes, right? Absolutely. Yep, yep. I'd love to hear from them. Okay, that sounds great. So tell us a little bit also about some of the things that you do in your downtime away from your day job. I hear you're in a band with your husband. Yes, that's true. Um, we've been playing music together for, oh boy, a really long time. Um, I think almost 14 years now. It's kind of hard to keep track at this point. So he writes all the songs and I just um, help record sometimes and play with them. We're actually playing a live show next week, but I don't think this will air before then. And we've been quietly releasing things. We have not really a big following, but we we make the music we like to listen to. And um, we've been working on a series of seven-inch singles um, that are pressed to colored vinyl, and we hand silkscreen the covers. I say we, but it's really him. And they're really beautifully packaged, and um, we did a Kickstarter to get the money to do that. So we're on the third of four singles, which should be out later this summer. So, And I suppose I should say the name of the band, which is Shallow Boy. Nice. That's so, super. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, so Stacey, you've been packing and shipping a ton of kits for your yeah, super man. popular and kit Why club. do you make me go second? I... <laughs> the kit just cannot compare to like writing music and hand silk screening the covers like man <laughs> bummer so um yeah i've been shipping a lot of kits i actually have a sniffle and i'm upgrading it just today from regular sniffle to severe sniffle alert because it's entering the third week of sniffle because um, I think I overdid it on the travel um, in March I, or February and March. I went to California to do Stitches West, and then I had a wedding in Australia, and then I taught, and then we came back home, and then I had a kit club, um, which was about four days of packing <clears throat> kits to my absolute maximum capacity, and it caught up with me. So now I'm sniffling. Um but not not too much sniffle to not keep packing kits. <laughs> so tell us what the Kit Club is. Oh, so the Kit Club, it's really fun. I really like it. Um, it's although it's more work for me than the people in it. Just kidding. Um, so <laughs> the Kit Club, you sign up, and every other month you will get a kit that's a crocheted stuffed animal kit, and so. They're not, um, people ask, they're not exclusively new designs just because I could never promise to make a brand new stuffed animal every other month in addition to all of the other designs that I do. But they're um, a twist that you wouldn't necessarily get um, from your normal life. So I'm not spilling what this one is because there's a three-week secrecy period. Um, But previous ones... um, We've gotten a blank skein of yarn and Kool-Aid, and so you've dyed your own yarn to make a teddy bear. Um, One time, everyone got beads and a secret instructional video on how to crochet with beads. Um, Another time, you got a rainbow skein of yarn that was a little bit fancy. I blew the budget on that one, and um, I gave you you instructions on how to modify the shell to make it... um, 
use the whole skein of yarn. So you get um, the pattern, uh, the yarn that you need to make it, and then like a goodie. And sometimes it's a goodie like beads that you use, and sometimes it's just like a random goodie like, you know, cute scissors or something. Um, and it comes to your door, and then people in my Ravelry group usually chat about it and show what they're doing and working on, so it's also a crochet along at the same time. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I can give you the link from the show notes and it's gone absolutely crazy. Like so many kits, so much packing. Um, my friend just asked me yesterday, she's like, what's your breaking point? Like where you can't do anymore. And I said, I don't know yet. It's not this month. Um, <laughs> but I can picture a point where I have to, um, limit the number of subscriptions, but we're letting it ride for now and seeing how it goes. That's awesome. What a fun thing to be part of. That sounds great. I can see why it's so popular. Um, (laughs) It is really fun to get that in the mail. Yes, Stephanie's in it. (laughs) Oh, you're in it, Stephanie? Yes, I I was getting that for a while. I couldn't keep up um, with all the holiday knitting, but I keep meaning to sign up again now that I, you know, got through that, but it's so nice to get things in the mail. Some people, man, are on it like two days after they get it, they have the finished thing. And, you know, <laughs> and like some and some people, I think, are just collectors. You know, they save the kit for some day when, the, you know, us yarn people are stashers. Like you just put it in your chest pocket and like wait for the right day for it. I'm total eager beaver. Like if I get, I signed up for um, Molly Johansson's um, spring stitching club. Oh. Yeah. And so you get an email every week and I like can wait. Like I had to do my whole project the first week. Like I'm crazy that way. Once I get an assignment, I'm like, I have to be straight A student. (laughs) I can't can't wait. So I get obsessed with it. But um, All right. So I'm working on a series of patterns for um, plush taxidermy which has been really interesting. Uh, so, so far, the first one I did was a unicorn, and he's got a purple, I guess it's a girl. She's got purple mane and a sparkly silver horn. And then I did a deer, because that was kind of the classic taxidermy with big antlers. And then um, the last one I just did, did was an elephant. I'm still writing the pattern and taking the step-by-step photos for the elephant. And then I have to do one more. Um, so I'll have a set of four. So there's two pattern releases, the unicorn and deer come together, and then the elephant and whatever comes next, which I haven't totally decided yet, <laughs> will come together. Um, and they've been really popular. It's kind of neat. It's not something I would have designed on my own, like come up with on my own, but um, I'm designing them both for my own patterns and also for simplicity and they actually commissioned them. So they were like, you know, could you come up with these? And, uh, and I was like, sure, I can do it. So it's so neat. And I don't know, I think it's fun. So they'll be out as a simplicity pattern next year. Um, takes a long time for these things to be in production, but in the meantime, they'll also be up in my online shop. So I'm hoping to have, well, I have to have both of them in by, um, mid April. Uh, so the both patterns will be up in my shop by mid April. Um, so wait, are we taking votes for the fourth one? I'm open to suggestions. A moose, a moose. Moose. Because as you know, so one of my long, term goals, which actually hasn't come anywhere close to fruition, but is to have a taxidermied animal in every room of my house. Because, so I have, I have Deary. Some people who know me may know Deary, which is a deer that my grandfather shot in 1957. 
and then actually kept in the freezer for 10 years until he could afford to have it taxidermied. My grandmother wasn't Whoa. happy about that. Yeah, hardcore. So Deary's in our bedroom. And, like, every time we move, Deary sits in the front seat. Like, it's this, like, you know, 10-point buck, like, giant thing. And I know it would be weird to have real dead animals everywhere. But I think a plush one, very subtly in each room, maybe some miniature ones, like maybe a needle-felted one, I'm picturing a whole empire. Yeah, they're vegan taxidermy. And I've been seeing a ton of them. (laughs) I have a pretty... Uh, extensive um, Pinterest board now for um, faux taxidermy. And I, they're above the crib in so many nurseries. Really? This is like a hardcore nursery thing. Like people. Exactly. It yeah. totally is. Yeah. So, and um, so my, I have a friend who's a photographer and she took pictures of the unicorn. She took it to her house and her daughter's bedroom is purple. So it matched the unicorn's mane. So she took pictures for me, which was very nice of the unicorn in her daughter's bedroom. They are beautiful. Um, but apparently her daughter who is uh, four came into the room and saw the unicorn above her bed and was like squealing with the light. And then when it was... Uh, the news was broken that it wasn't hers, that it had to come back to me. She was like heartbroken and was crying. So I'm making one for her in exchange for these gorgeous photos that I got, which is well worth doing. But anyway, so just letting you know. Um, all right. So that's what's up. Uh, that's, uh, that's what's up with me. Um, and my other project, which I'll just mention briefly now and we can talk more about later, is I'm finally moving my blog off of TypePad onto WordPress. And I'm super excited. It's going to be a couple months in the works, but, um, but that's my other, as any of you who run a website know, it's a, a massive project, but, um, whew, I can't wait till it's done. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to dive into these great lists. Um, I asked both of you to pull together <laughs> lists of interesting, neat stuff that you're enjoying right now. And I've pulled mine together as well. So we're going to start with you, Stephanie. Um, you wanted to talk about two apps. Uh, one of them is Vine and one of them is Rabulous Hot Right Now. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, I was listening to one of your past episodes recently, and someone mentioned another one of my favorite ones, Trello. Just thought I'd throw that in there. It's really awesome for organizing your life. But um, getting back to the ones I listed, I've been playing around with Vine, which is uh, a little app that integrates with Twitter, and you can take a short looped video and post it. So I've just been doing little things like usually stuff with my cats because I'm crazy cat lady, but it's really fun. Um, there's not a whole lot of people on Vine at the moment, but it's, it's an interesting way to, to share things. So I, I like to see what people are doing with it because you can actually, how it works is when you are ready to film, you press, you put your finger on the screen and whenever you're touching the screen, it films. So you can do different shots of things. You can like make a miniature movie within one looped video, if that makes sense. So I had a friend who, you know, did a a little thing where they were just like walking around and filming different shots in the house and then ended with him screaming or, you know, like, oh, and it was kind of, it's hard to describe. It was funnier when you saw it, but, um, at any rate, I did one with, uh, where I woke up my cats by using the shredder in my office which always scares them and well I thought it was kind of funny so I I had vine when it first came out and there was like lots of buzz about it um 
but I sort of haven't used it in a long time and you're reminding me that I should get back and try it. I like the idea of making little stop motion animations with it because like you said, you can Mm -hmm. film like one second increments. Um, But I feel like with Instagram, Instagram movie now, people are sort of more turning to that. It's a little bit longer. Um, So I don't know if you've tried Instagram movies, but... I did. I, and I liked it, but I found that the video quality was a little janky. Like it was kind of like the audio and what was being filmed didn't quite match up. Like it was a lot choppier and not just because I was filming different parts and it was putting them together. It just, it seemed like there might be some bugs in there still. So Interesting. I'm kind of playing around with both of them just to yeah. see what I like better. Yeah. And they're a great way to, to sort of feature your products in a more casual setting and kind of a fun way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. What's and, ra- what is Ravulous hot right now? So as you might have guessed, I really like little widgets and apps and things. And this is actually, I don't think they have an iPhone version. I think it's just for Android. So I apologize to everyone who doesn't have an Android phone. But it, for 99 cents, you download this little widget that you put on your home screen And it will just show you the top 10 trending patterns on Ravelry at that particular moment. And you can just flip through them. So I'm kind of addicted to it. And it's really great because a lot of the patterns that get into the top 10 are usually ones that are free for a limited time or just came out in the new issue of Knit Scene or whatever. So I always am on top of the trends and get a lot of cool free patterns to add to my never-ending queue that I might not otherwise find. So it's pretty fun. That's cool. Um, Stacey, I know you're a big Ravelry user. Do you have Ravulous? I, I need it. And this is perfect because I have an Android phone and I'm like, man, I, I can be on this. Um, because mm-hmm. I f- always forget to look at, this is so embarrassing. I always forget to look at what's hot right now just because I, I click on forums and like I'm in the forums and I, people, it takes me like, I'm really not trendy. It takes me a while and people are talking about such and such a thing and they were like, oh yeah, it's been on the hot right now for like two weeks straight. And I'm like, oh, whoops, haven't been there yet. So that would really help me out. Um, I usually actually find out something's hot because I see it on Pinterest and it's been pinned from Ravelry. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So this sounds perfect for you. <laughs> it is. Go I need it. it. <laughs> um, so Stacey, you wanted to talk about um, an ebook called Blog to Win Business. Yeah. I Almost all of my things are books this week. I guess I've been reading a lot because I've been traveling a lot. Um, so this book now, unfortunately, you guys are all going to have to pay for. It's like four fifty, but I got it when the author was running like a hurry up and buy it now. It's free thingy. Um, but I think that ship has sailed. And It's a guy, I have no idea who wrote it, but it's a a person who blogs about, um, you know, blogging better and things like that. And the book is really just an extent, it's almost like what you would get if you read all of those tips out there for how to write a great headline, how to write a great opening sentence, how to put a call to action in there, but it's all in one nice little ebook. So I really enjoyed reading it and, um, Actually, something Stephanie said earlier ties into this. You know, um, I think as bloggers, we all have this, we're all a little bit torn. Like, in one, as Stephanie said, you know, there are these 
big bloggers who have cachet and a following, but you sort of get the feeling that it's not as personal. Maybe they just, whereas like a smaller blogger, you really feel like you know the person. And um, I feel like if you follow the tips, for example, in this book to the extreme, you sort of become a little impersonal. So I'm not sure I'm going to follow every tip in this book. Like all of my blog posts have a a headline with a number in it and a opening sentence with a call to action and then at least seven bullet points and then two images. Um, But all of the tips that are in there are really good tips and sort of tell you a bit more about how readers like to read blog posts, which I think is something that's been changing um, over time, you know, um, what catches people's attention um, and things like that. So I really enjoyed reading the book. It was super quick. Even now that it's full price, it's only $4, um, and it saves you a lot of trouble of, you know, digging around trying to find all of the blog posts um, that might be on similar topics. Yeah, that sounds really good. I <laughs> have had an ebook idea in my mind um, that's sort of similar to this idea, although I haven't read this one, but... Um, but would be catered toward craft bloggers. So it would sort of eliminate some of the impersonal business sort of super, you know, sleek <coughs> stuff and yeah. would really be this, but for um, for people who, who have a craft blog and want to write great craft blog posts. Yeah, I think that's really important because in the crafting world, it is really still important to be personal. I mean, not uh, just as a reader, I don't, I don't want just bullet points that are seven ways to single crochet most effectively. Like it's not (laughs) a robot, right? It's not a robotic sort of industry. And so I think if you follow these tips, like the standard business tips, it's not really what's best for crafting. And so I think there is definitely room for how to keep it. Like, for example, they, they say like, don't tell a story, you know, don't tell a story that takes like longer than three sentences. And it's like, if I'm relating anything to you, all I have is stories that are longer than three sentences. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That's just how it's going to be. I also um, think that because craft blogs have such a heavy female reading, the, the, the readership is so much so much geared toward women mm-hmm. that it's somewhat of a different audience too. Um, and the way that women relate to one another and the kind of stories that we tell to each other um, and that we want to read mm-hmm. about are, you know, not all, not all women, but um, I think to a degree, there's something there's to be said that's different there. And also being very visual, um, you know, craft blogs are a very visual feast. So you got to have more than two pictures, you know, oftentimes if it's mm-hmm. a how to post and that sort of thing. So, um, but that being said, there's still something to be picked up in some of these more um, businessy books, which, um, which I've learned a ton from. So I'll check that one out. Yeah. Um, is it only for Kindle? I have to look that up. I don't like, know. Okay. I'm reading it on my Kindle, but I don't oh, know. Oh, no. I think, yeah, I think you can read it on other formats. I think I did, okay. I did see that. Um, okay. I wanted to talk about uh, an app that <laughs> my kids love, and I actually like playing with it too, but I have kids who are 10, 7, and 3, so I have a pretty wide age range. Um, this is called Toka Boca Hair Salon. Actually, it's part of a Toka Boca uh, family of apps. This was the first one that we got. 
It's $2.99 in the App Store, and it is super creative. So you run your own hair salon. You have four characters that you can pick from. And then once you pick your character, you can do all kinds of neat things that are fun. Um, You can shampoo them and then blow dry them. Then you cut their hair. You can color it. uh, You can style it. They have combs and scissors and a curling iron um, and a straightener. (laughs) You can add a mustache. You can make them a mohawk and spray it bright pink or rainbow. Um, You can grow their hair back. So if you cut it too short, you can add the grow serum and it grows back. You can add a hat and glasses. Um, the animation is gorgeous. So the characters make these like fun faces and little like Ooh, sounds when you're styling <laughs> them. So they really seem like they're people, like they're they're you know, but they're cute, super cute. Um, there are no rules. There's no way to lose, and there's no in-app purchases. There's no advertising. Um, it's easy enough to use that the three-year-old can use it on her own completely. Um, but it's also sort of sophisticated enough that the ten-year-old still thinks it's fun. You can take a picture of your finished dude, um, and I love it. I love all the Toka. Uh, Boca apps. There's Toka Boca Band. There's one where you do housework, which I think is hilarious. So you can vacuum <laughs> and do the dishes. And um, there's like all these different ones. There's a science lab there, and all of them are good. All of them are really good. All of them are. Um, some of them are actually free, uh, and some are two ninety nine. But all of them are creative and beautifully drawn, and um, and appeal to kids of a lot of different ages. So I recommend it if you don't already have uh, a Toka Boca app, hop over and get one. <laughs> You'll like it. Um, all right. So Stephanie, we are back up to you. And you wanted to talk about Carbon's Knitting Needles from Knitter's Pride. <clears throat> yes, I'm kind of obsessed with them. And actually, a lot of people are. I know Stacy's talked about them on her blog. And they just they caused seem to quite be... a stir in my when I was teaching. I was teaching a double points class. And and I used them as my example, and it caused quite a kerfluffle amongst the students about where to get them because of their features. Oh. Oh, well. (laughs) A good kerfluffle. I could tell them, but yeah, Yeah. a good kerfluffle. (laughs) Very good. That's good. Yeah, it seems like whenever I bust them out at night or, you know, whatever, people are always like, oh, those are interesting. You know, they definitely get people's attention. They're really lovely to work with. Um, Some people only like to work with metal needles or wood or bamboo needles. Um, I actually like to work with all different kinds of needles, just depending on the project or the yarn or that sort of thing. Um, I'm kind of a needle junkie. I recently reorganized my craft area and I don't even want to tell you how many different types of needles I have but I have to say I keep coming back to the carbons because they're kind of the best of both worlds the the carbon fiber is super strong so they're pretty much impossible to break I kind of want to test the the tensile strength of them a little bit more by like running them over with a car or something but you know I don't want to give up my needles so it's kind of one of these but it is the same fiber that they use to make the stealth bomber. So wow. I have a feeling these needles could probably be run over by a car and be just fine. Um, and then they have a metal tip that, for me, is, is pretty pointy. I know some people really like extremely pointy tips. And, you know, it's all subjective. But for me, I think they have nice pointy tips. 
um, any pointier and I would hurt myself to be perfectly honest. So I really like them for lace projects and that sort of thing. Um, and the great, the other great thing about the carbon fiber shaft of the needle is that it's warm to the touch, especially with our really long, supremely cold winter. If you're working with metal needles, they get awfully cold and that can kind of make it less fun to knit with them. So most of the needle is still warm. The tips will get a little cold, but you don't generally touch that while you're knitting. So it's a really great all-weather needle, if that's something that you think about. That sounds neat. I don't knit, but they do sound really attractive to me if I were to start knitting. So They're just cool to look at. Yeah, that's cool. I like the idea of, of supplies being warm. I think that's neat. Um, uh, okay, so, so Stacey, you wanted to talk about what the most successful people do on the weekend. Okay, yeah. No, this is a good one. So this person, I think her name's Laura something, something. She writes a whole series of books, what the most successful people fill in the blank. And so I think it started with a book called something like 168 hours. Like we all have the same 168 hours in a week, but some people you can find run marathons and are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and get home in time to fix their kids' dinner and, you know, are like Abby. And you sort of look at them and you're like, how the heck do they do it all? I can say this because I've stayed with Abby and she's amazing and she does everything, like, in 168 hours. And other people, like, go to work, come home, and, like, fall asleep on the sofa and don't manage to accomplish anything else. And so the books are all about interviews with really successful people and what they do in the whatever the time period this particular book is about um, and how they get it done. So this one is on weekends and it's it's a really short book. It's like a booklet and it's just so good. So excuse me. I've always found that if I just don't plan anything on the weekend, it sucks. Like I have what's called like what I call weekend depression. Like I just have never gotten the concept of sitting around and doing nothing for a whole weekend. Like I don't find it relaxing. I've always thought it was a little weird because other people are like, man, no, like I love sitting on the sofa for a day and not having anything planned. Um, when this book, she interviews lots of, you know, people like successful people and they really, swear that the trick is to plan things on your weekend like have something to do on Saturday morning sure then you can relax a little bit but then have something else you want to do Saturday night and I love that idea because it's exactly the way I feel um and she's also emphasized how important it is to do something that's not your work like it doesn't matter if you're running coca-cola You need to do something for at least a day, if not two, that's not your work. And it can be a different kind of work. Like for some of us, crafting is still physically making something or gardening sounds like work to some people. And it can be active, but it really needs to be something that's not your work. Um, So I think it's really good to read for people who are self-employed, like some of us who, Mm. you know, it's really tempting to keep checking your email or to, you know, go ahead and write an extra blog post and it slowly just eats away your, you know, all of your time. Um, so I'm a really big proponent of weekends and I thought it was a really good book. 
And it's mm-hmm. it's basically saying that you should structure your unstructured time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, once you have um, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, you end up not being able to avoid that because you have to take them to soccer and then they have to go to Hebrew school and they have three birthday parties and then all your weekend is all structured. So, But in between that time. Um, but that's good. No, yeah. I mean, that's part of, like, it actually is really good. Like, it's good to have the structure. Like, um, and one thing she talks about, I can't remember the exact example because I've been reading a ton, but there's a mom who does something else incredibly awesome and something else, you know, she runs some company and does other crazy things. And she just talked about, you know, I take my kids to soccer practice and I bring along a book or I plan to talk with the parent, the other parents and get in a good hour of social time or, and she explains her strategies for really enjoying it. Whereas a lot of parents are just like, oh, I go to soccer and I have to waste two hours. Okay, now I go to Hebrew school and then I have to waste two hours. And those are opportunities for having fun, maybe not the most fun you've ever had in your life, but they're opportunities for relaxing and doing things like knitting or reading a book or watching the sun come out um, that you can use to really enjoy your weekend. Yeah, that's true. That's super. Um Super duper reminder too. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk about a TV show. I really don't watch TV very much at all. Um, I watch, uh, Downton Abbey and that's about it. Um, but I have enjoyed watching another TV show, which is called Friday night dinner. Have either of you seen this show? No. Okay. So it's a show that, um, it's a British sitcom and it originally aired on BBC four and now you can get on BBC America and you can actually also live stream, like you stream it from YouTube if you want to. Um, and it's basically like the, the dinner experience of a British Jewish family, the Goodmans on Friday night. So, um, Friday night, Wait, are they real people or not real people? They are, um, they're actors, but yeah, uh, yeah, they're actors and it's, um, it's totally like a comedy sitcom. So, um, so, you know, Friday night is, um, in, in Jewish faith is the Shabbat dinner. And so it's very rare to see sort of Jewish family on TV. And, um, it's just, it, this is, I think one of the only times when I've ever seen like a Shabbat dinner presented on sort of a mainstream television show. It's very secular. It's not as though they do really any Jewish ritual, but it's clearly that's why they're there. Um, you know, the, the boys come back from college and have dinner with their parents. Um, it is a hilarious show. There's two sons who are both college age, Adam and Johnny, but they call each other puss face and piss face. And they are hilarious. They, like the interchange between them, they, this show captures sibling rivalry and the hilarity that ensues in a family and sort of the weird organic aspects of being in a family better than any show I've ever seen. Um, then there's this weird neighbor named Jim who has a giant dog named Wilson who he's afraid of. And he always interrupts dinner. So he always rings the doorbell and they have to go get the door. Um, it is a really fast paced, really, really funny show. You will always laugh. Um, and it's only half an hour and I love it. So I've watched every episode already. We've watched several episodes uh, more than once. So if you haven't seen Friday Night Dinner, it's just a little nugget of joy. So <laughs> go download it. I think you'll like it. 
Um, all right, so Stephanie, we are back up to you. And you're talking about, um, well, I'll let you pick what you wanted to talk mm. about next. Do you have a choice? Do you have a, a preference? Let's see here. Spinning or crochet or a little of both. Well, actually, I don't know if Stacy will like to hear this. I'm sure you will. But I have been really loving her new book, Modern Baby Crochet. Um, I'm kind of at that age where everyone I know is having babies. So it came along at the right time, let me tell you. And my newest That's nephew just had his That's because we're the same age. Birthday. Yeah, see? It's, it's perfect. <laughs> So yeah, my, my nephew here in town just had his first birthday and I I realized my other nephews, I'd knit them blankets and I hadn't done this for Ethan, my newest nephew. And I was like, gosh, I I really, you know, there's there's two things that I don't like to knit anymore. And that would be a rectangular scarf and a big old blanket. I was like, I just don't think that's going to happen. But I don't want him to be the only nephew who doesn't get a blanket. So I ended up making one from your new book. I crocheted it in 12 days, which for me is a record for making Woo-hoo! anything that large. And it's awesome, and they love it. So I actually have been using a lot of patterns from that book for gifts for all the little kids in my life, and they have all been very well received so far. So, Yay! Um, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, and actually, while I'm giving but This would be a Stacey really embarrassing parties, time to say it sucked. Oh, yeah, this would be. This would be the worst time. Well, I, I actually emailed this to you, Stacy, but I was meeting with my accountant, and she actually was inspired to get back to knitting um, after I was just going on and on about yarn and knitting the last time I talked to her around tax time. So she came back this year and was like, hey, look at what I've been working on. And she had started her first pair of socks using Stacy's easy-peasy sock pattern. So. Yay! Yeah, and she got really far. She got a little confused um, after she picked up the stitches. She she wasn't sure which way to go, and she wasn't sure about the gusset shaping. But once I showed her, she was like, oh, well, now all that stuff makes sense. So she she got a lot further than I would have personally if I had been knitting my first thought because it didn't go very well for me. <laughs> I didn't want to help. So anyway. All right, that's super. Um, I need to get a copy of Stacey's book because I don't have one yet, but I... I'm a beginner in crocheter, but I think I could tackle a new project. Oh, you're so. fully intermediate now. <laughs> I'm super beginner, too. I only really got back into crocheting a few years ago. I took a craftsy course, um, and because I learned many years ago when I was living in Portland, Oregon, and the person who taught me didn't know any of the terms. She was just sort of like, do like this. So all I could do was a granny square blanket. So that didn't really take. So I actually, once I took... Um, the crochet lab course on craftsy. And then I actually took Stacy's Amigurumi woodland animals class to, to get all those toy making skills down. Um, yeah. I'm, I still consider myself pretty beginner, but any of these patterns I think would be really easy for people who aren't quite sure of their skill. Cause I'm kind of in that intermediate. Am I a beginner? Am I in an intermediate stage? And so far so good for and me. I anyway. love, I love the sort of modern take on it too. Like the patterns in Stacey's book are not sort of your old fashioned kind of fuddy daddy looking crochet. Like they're really sleek, modern, like gorgeous sort of neutrals with rainbow. Like really, I think it would be really something you would want in your nursery or to give as a baby gift. 
Yeah. Kind of want it in my own house, actually. Or in your house. I know there's a poof, yeah. there's a poof in there that's gorgeous. That would be gorgeous in anyone's house. So not just in a nursery, but I'm going to make that for myself. <laughs> um, all right, Stacey. So you, do you want to pick from what you have left on your list? Or? Oh my gosh. I'm so, I, I love all of my things so much. <laughs> um, okay. So since I'm going to do a fun one, okay. um, so my fun one is day of the Triffids or day of the Triffid. I'm not actually sure which one it is. So this is a book that a pair, well, my in-laws laughed at me like so hard. So I heard it on the ABC, which is the BBC for Australia radio when we were in Australia, like two years ago. And they said, you know, they're talking about summer classics to read. And I heard about this book and I was like, Ooh, I want to read it, but it's really hard to find here in the U S even the, but like in Australia, it's one of those like penguin classics books. And apparently like, I guess it's like our catcher in the rye. Like everyone reads it in seventh grade. So I came home with this book. I was like, look what I found. And Tim's parents were like, yeah, I read that when I was like 12. So it was sort of like awful. But with all those books, you really shouldn't. I mean, you don't get them until you're an adult, I think, or at least I never did. So The Day of the Triffids is written in like, I mean, it was written around, I guess, the 30s or 40s you know, the 1900s and some sort of comet or something comes to the earth and it blinds everyone who had been looking at it. So a couple people who like in particular, the main character had a bandage over his eyes due to some accident. Um, he keeps his sight in a world where everyone else is blinded and it's about how society is unraveling and what, what's the role of these seeing people, um, when everyone else is blind and in as a, what the book is named for is these plants that like kill people. And so they're out on the loose, although not in as much of a sci-fi way as you would expect from my description. Um, and so it's just a really good book and I had never heard of it before and I loved it. It sort of reminds me of the handmaid's tale in a way. Did you read that? No. What's no, that? that one. Oh gosh. Did you read that Stephanie? Yeah. <laughs> she's my favorite author, actually. And she's a knitter. Oh, really? Yes. Anyway, um, go on. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I'm trying to remember the, the way that that book works, but it has, it, there's only a certain number of women who are fertile. Is that right? Is that how it, I can't remember how it, that book unfolds. It's been so long since I read it. I think it's just that they, they decided the class system. Uh, this could be totally wrong. I'm sure someone will be like, "Yeah, that's not actually it." But I think <laughs> it's just the the wives of the people who are in power. Like for whatever reason, they just it's beneath them to give birth. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe, that so might be wrong. It, there's some crazy thing. It's happens. similar to me in that there's only a very specific number of people who have an ability that nobody else has, and how that changes society when that that's sort of flipped. So. That's what yeah, made me think about. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so that's cool. It's interesting that there's a, there are these books that are so well known in other continents. Um, well, <laughs> that yeah, it happens States. all the time. Yeah. like Australia is very British, and so they get tons of stuff from Britain that just we you know we were a country by then, and so sometimes it'll be like casual dinner conversation, and Australians think I'm like really dumb right so here's this book they all read in seventh grade and i've never even heard of it like you might as well just say you've never heard of shakespeare and they look at you like 
are you educated? Did you go to school? And it's like, yeah, it's just that we have these authors from America who we happen to read. It's not that we don't read any books. We just don't read the same books you do. Right. So it's hard. It's cult- different cultures are rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> rough. Um, all right. So I wanted to talk about um, a online service that I found um, that will help you migrate your blog from TypePad to WordPress. Um, So if you uh, follow my blog, you know that um, I have been on TypePad since May of 2005. Back then, uh, you know, there were very few craft blogs. It was a small world. And um, I basically chose TypePad on two for two reasons. One was that I saw a couple of other bloggers who I liked who were on it. And the other reason was because you had to pay for it. And I, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of like an eager beaver. Like if I get an assignment, I feel like I have to totally overachieve. So I knew if I paid for a service, I would feel like I had to continually update my blog and I couldn't just abandon the project. So that was, those were the two reasons that I chose it. Um, it was silly, but there you go. And, um, and then once I was there, I've just been updating my blog three times a week since 2005. So I have a lot of posts, um, and there's like a thousand, I don't know, 300 posts or something like that. And, um, it's very difficult to migrate your blog off of TypePad because TypePad is your host for, they, they host the content. They also have all of store, all of the images. Um, so it's not like moving your blog off of blogger. Um, it's really complicated and, um, so I have felt very intimidated to do it myself. I think there are people who do it themselves, but I knew that that wasn't going to be me because, number one, I would mess it up. And number two, the number of hours of work it would require are just something that I don't have time to do. So um, my friend Jean, whose blog is The Artful Parent, um, she went to Wellesley and she and I have become sort of friendly over time. And so she was on TypePad as well. And then I saw on Twitter that she had moved to WordPress. So I was like, Jean, what did you do? And I checked out her new site. It looks terrific. And so she said, I use this company called Fantastic. Uh, it has a K in there, which is a weird K, but it's, that's what it's called. And, um, she said for $199, they moved me and it was fantastic. And it took like three days and it was done. So Abby, it was fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I hopped over there. I, um, they've got good customer service. I emailed them. I had some questions and everything. So the migration actually started yesterday. Um, and as I said, it takes a couple of days, but so worth it. Um, and I'm going to be free of TypePad. I'm so happy. Um, because May is coming up, I was going to have to pay them again. And so now I'm not going to have to do that. And, um, so I also got a designer and I'm working on my WordPress site. So which won't be ready until, um, the like early summer, but, um, and in between, I will still update my type blog. I'm going to just pay month to month until I'm ready to actually shut it down completely. But, uh, I just feel so like relieved <laughs> and free that I can finally move, um, and have this done. So I just wanted to put and that I'm, out there. If you're stuck I'm on type, I'm so pad. excited about this because Abby <laughs> and I talk a lot about, you know, blogging or whatever. And like, I can't tell you how many times we've had the conversation of I'm like, oh, I found this like, which like, for example, 
uh, I talked about in a previous thing, what would Seth Golden do? Like it's a little widget that pops up and says, hey, if you're new, you want to sign up for my blog, you know, my blog feed. And Abby always says, oh, I can't do that because I'm on TypePad. And it's just so sad because apparently you can't do anything on TypePad. It's pretty sad. Um, I have a client who has a TypePad blog and it's an issue that we keep running up against and I'm totally going to send her this podcast. Yes, I, I'm going to put the link up and um, oh my gosh, what a great service. And for $199, oh, it's just worth it. So, so that is my, um, that's my tip. Okay. So we have time for one more, um, from each Woo! of you. So, uh, Stephanie, we're back up to you. Let's talk about these home pedicures. Okay. Well, I actually, one of my previous careers, I used to be a licensed massage therapist and I had never had a pedicure before until I worked in a spa and they were delightful, but you know, they were also free. So once I wasn't working there anymore, I realized that I still liked them and I do occasionally from time to time go to a, a spa to get them done. But I decided to invest in the proper tools to do them at home whenever I want so that my feet are always nice, um, especially since I'm a sock knitter. If you have calloused feet and your nails are too long, you're going to bust holes in your socks way faster than just normal wear and tear. So it actually is really important to keep your feet looking nice and your hands as well if you're wearing hand-knit gloves or any gloves for that matter. Um, so I actually, I bought one of those little bubbling foot spas, I think on Amazon, you know, a Dr. Scholl's, and that's quite nice. Um, it's a lovely treat, especially in the winter. And I joined one of these clubs that I actually see a lot of knitting people do. It's called Julep Maven and it's free to sign up. You get a box every month delivered to your door of goodies. There's different, different styles you can try, um, different profiles. And it's a really good value. It costs about 20 bucks, I think, and you get definitely more than $20. And you don't have to get it every month. You can skip as many boxes as you want. So I don't know about you, but I can only have so much nail polish. So I, I do skip a fair number of boxes, but there's always different sales, and you get a discount on the store just for being a part of their service. And it's really fun. Um, and I have discovered some products that I probably wouldn't normally seek out that I ended up really enjoying. So, so it's just comes, a nice way to treat yourself too. What comes in your box? You get nail polish and other things as well? Yeah, you can get anything from, um, I actually sometimes just get the product box. So um, the last one I got had some lip exfoliant scrub, which is totally not a product I would buy myself. But Again, with this really dry winter, I was like, hey, this is kind of nice. Um, and then it had a, a really emollient lip balm that um, I ended up also really liking. And I'm trying to think what else was in it. I believe there was a nail polish in it. And then you can also get add-ons for really cheap. So I added a nail polish color that I liked that was in a different box, but I didn't like the other colors that came with it. And you can get little little things like nail files or foot scrub. They have all sorts of products. It's really cool. Um, and then they usually do an added treat, kind of like Stacy does with her kits. So you can get anything from, I think I had a little piece of candy in this one. One time they sent me um, a seed packet for forget-me-nots, just all sorts of stuff. 
I am a huge fan of getting a box of goodies in the mail. I talked about in the last episode about Stitch Fix, which is this club that I do where you get um, clothes in the mail after filling out a really extensive profile, and then you can try them on and um, keep what you want and then send back what you don't want, and I love it, and so it's such a thing to look forward to, so I think getting this julep box sounds really nice, or Stacy's Kid Club, either way, Mm -hmm. whatever floats your boat, but it's so fun to get real mail like that, isn't it? Yes, and as someone who works at home, I, like, Mail coming to my house is literally the highlight of my day. <laughs> and if there isn't a goodie for me, I'm always a little sad. So totally. <laughs> that's kind of how sad my life is, no, I guess. You, get, you schedule, <laughs> schedule goodies. I think it's great. Um, okay, that's super. So, so Stacey, um, you're our last pick. So I wanted to okay. hear the story about people interacting. Can I ask about that one? Oh, I was just going to change it up. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, now you have to do both. Oh, <laughs> oh geez. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to, okay. I'll tell the story, but if there's time, I want to stick with the mail theme and talk about how I do my shipping. Okay. Okay. okay let's do both. So the story, I'll make it short. Okay. So I visited a friend in San Diego in the last of my journeys and you know, we've been really good friends for a while, but we both move a lot. So we don't spend a ton of time, you know, in one place talking together. And to make a long story short, she kept saying that I was like always really busy and I was always like rushing. And I was sort of like, what do you mean I'm rushing? Like I am one of the most calm people. Like I can sit forever and just entertain myself like I don't perceive myself as being rushy rushy and she was like well when I'm talking you always say "Uh uh-huh and that means you're like rushing me along which for me like blew my mind because I always thought I was just a really active listener like if I'm talking to you face to face I nod a lot and if I'm not looking at you like I'm knitting I go "Uh uh-huh yep uh uh-huh and like just so you know I'm listening and I discovered that this irritates her to absolutely no end. So I've been thinking about this a lot. And I mean, this, my story is really more about than more than just me saying, uh-huh, um, is we all have these little like ticks, like just weird things we do. And most of the time, no one really cares, but they could really grate on people. So like, I always put smiley faces in my emails. Like that's just what I do. And most people don't mind. Some people probably think it's cute, but there could be a customer who thinks that you're like too cutesy or you're too immature because real people don't put smiley faces in their emails. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. it just made me think about like, what are the habits that you have that might rub someone the wrong way, especially for those of us who are emailing like hundreds of people a week, you know? Um, so that was really a that story was really short now, um, but it really made me think, like, what am I doing that's secretly annoying people? And I also have to say that I think it's awesome that she told you that, because I think something that is hard, at least for me to do, and I think for other people as well, is to actually just say the things that bother you <laughs> instead of, like, just stewing about them. Um, just to be Totally, like, because after that, like, now I know she doesn't like me to say, uh, like, Sure, no problem, you know, totally no problem, like not a big deal at all. And yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So. (laughs) 
Um, okay, so what you also wanted to talk about your shipping. So let's do I have time? Time? Yes. Yes, okay. you do. So <clears throat> I ship when I do a kit club, it's hundreds of packages, like absolutely insane. And in between, I'm shipping normal kits and things like that, and people buy books for me and whatever. So I do a ton of shipping. And about a year ago, I switched to getting a Dymo printer. And the Indicia mail service that comes along with it. And it's completely changed my life. So the Dymo printer, I have the 4XL. I can send, I can put the link, you know, in the show notes. And um, it prints. So the labels are a little expensive, but it prints using heat. So you don't ever have to buy, um, like, toner or an ink cartridge because, like, Man, the, nothing's worse than running out of like ink for your darn printer. And so you buy these labels that average out to like two or four cents a piece and you don't need ink or anything else. And it just prints like a full professional kind of looking label that goes on your packages. And then Indisha is the service that goes along with it. And it starts at $9.95 a month. And I'm actually in the $15.95 a month because I ship like a whole lot, but it allows you to put your logo in the return thing. Um, and you literally can like, you have a little postage scale and you can just cut and paste the address from PayPal or Etsy or whatever. You pop it in, you type how much it weighs and it's got like, it prints the label perfectly. You can do first class priority media mail, like all of these things. Um, because the, the breaking point for me was, I spent, so December of 2012, I spent two hours in the post office just getting stamps put on my package, like a hundred packages that I had to ship. And I was like, you know, my time is, this is worth the $9.95 for the month alone. Like two hours of my time, I should be making at least minimum wage. I'm just getting this little postage printer thing and I've never been happier. Yeah, And I recommend it to everyone and everyone who switches loves it. Um, I print postage from Etsy, which is very convenient because you can print first class postage. Actually, you taught me how when you were visiting me. (laughs) Um, You can print first class postage from your home printer, which is super easy, right? From Etsy. I think that's a great added feature of the Etsy interface. But I also have a big cartel shop where I sell the same products and I do sell some physical products, some specialty supplies for doll and toy making. And I can't print first class postage. Um, It's really difficult to do that. You can print priority postage. Um, but you know, the U S postal service doesn't allow that from their, um, from their website, which is a huge pain. So if somebody purchases something from my big cartel shop, I have to go to the post office and wait in line. And I really don't like that. So, um, the other thing about even printing from Etsy, it's convenient, but you use, I found you use ink for your printer. And quite frankly, when you bought your printer, you're probably thinking, well, at least for me, I was thinking about home purchase. Oh, who, you know, I don't print that much. But those ink refills, if you're using it for business to print, 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 are a lot. And then you have to use tape to tape the whole label on, which after a while is like a lot of tape. Yeah. I think that really does save you money. If you sell a lot of um, physical goods, it sounds like it's totally worth doing. So that's a great recommendation. Um, all right. This has been really fun, you guys. Thank you so much for, for your great picks and for updating us on what's going on with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. It was so fun. Yeah, it was really fun talking to you and getting to know you a little bit, Stephanie. I hope we get a chance to meet in person sometime soon. 
Oh, yeah, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so this has been the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. If you have comments about the show, email me. My email address is abbyglassenberg at comcast.net, and my blog is walshynaps.com. See you next time.